If you like Modern Torah, subscribe and leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you really like it, share the show with a friend. I had my first COVID shot this week. It was at Gillette Stadium, where the Patriots and the Revolution both play football. The stadium, like many sports arenas, has an elite level. At Gillette, it features a distinct set of seats, red plastic leather, rather than the normal blue plastic, in an indoor area for fans to watch the games in comfort, no matter what the New England weather looks like outside. The Commonwealth of Massachusetts has commandeered Gillette Stadium to distribute vaccines. And when I arrived, I found the entire club floor had been cleared of its furniture and replaced with over a hundred nursing stations, operating seamlessly an assembly line of life-saving vaccinations. It felt, in a very real sense, like a scene from a movie. The whole thing took about five minutes, plus the 15-minute waiting period. And before I knew it, a stranger was plunging a hypodermic needle into my arm and depositing a strange substance created in a laboratory somewhere. And in case you're wondering, no, I do not have superpowers. Yet. The experience of receiving my first vaccine dose got me thinking about the layers of illusion that have to exist for a complex society to function, whether that's the modern society that we live in today or the one we read about in the Torah this week within the Israelite camp. This week, the Torah offers another double portion, Achremot and Kiddushim, which are tied together by discussions of holiness. Achremot deals mainly with the fallout from Nadav Navihu's deaths earlier before offering a list of sexual prohibitions along with the laws of Yom Kippur. Kiddushim, in contrast, includes many ethical obligations intended to help the Israelites create an ideal society within their camp and plant the seeds of a new civilization in Canaan when they arrive. Before all of that, though, as part of the reaction to Nadav Navihu's deaths, God offers a strict set of rules governing who is allowed to enter the Holy of Holies within the tabernacle and when and what happens to those who pull back the curtain and come too close to the presence of God within. Leviticus 16.1 The Lord spoke to Moses after the deaths of the two sons of Aaron, who died when they drew too close to the presence of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he is not to come at will into the shrine behind the curtain, lest he die, for I appear in the cloud over the cover. Thus only Aaron shall enter the shrine with a bull of the herd for a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall be dressed in a sacral linen tunic, with linen breeches next to his flesh, and be girt with a linen sash, and he shall wear a linen turban. They are sacral vestments. He shall bathe his body in water, and then put them on. There's so much drama in this passage, and it seems so far away from the way we worship today as Jews. The rituals presented in this week's Torah portion sound more like magic than anything else. Displays performed before the entire community in order to reinforce the bonds that hold them together in the first place, their shared religion and ancestry. To this day, Yom Kippur remains among the most attended Jewish services of the year, second only to Passover Seder's. The drama of that day is still very real, and still very connected to this week's Torah portion, as we find ourselves at the end of the day in most synagogues, standing before an open ark 
our new Holy of Holies, with only a curtain to shield us from the sign of God's presence among us today, the Torah scrolls. Sometimes there's danger in pulling back the curtain on these rituals, as the Torah seems to underline by connecting this week's opening passage to last week's deaths of Nadav and Abihu. Curtains play a key role in the 1939 classic movie, The Wizard of Oz. When Dorothy's dog, Toto, pulls back the curtain and exposes the wizard as just an ordinary guy, it shatters a key illusion in the Emerald City, one Dorothy and her companions have heard so much about, and the one which drew them to the city in the first place, that there's a great and powerful wizard in the land of Oz who can do magical things, like give courage, heart, and brains to those who have none, or return a lost little girl to her home in Kansas. It's the wizard's projection of his head and those booming sound effects that make him seem so powerful. They create a sense of awe and wonder in his subjects, not unlike what Aaron must have evoked, dressed in his priestly linens, placing lots, dashing blood, and burning incense in clear view of the Israelite community, who have already witnessed the deaths of Aaron's own sons, a testament to the power of the deity they had come to worship. The theatrics of the ritual only heighten the sense of awe and wonder it provokes. But more than anything, it's the curtain, the one that hides the wizard's true form from his subjects, that gives him power. It creates a sense of mystery in the same way that the curtain covering the entrance to the Holy of Holies created a sense of mystery about the presence of God in the Israelite camp. A sense of mystery that, properly harnessed, empowered Aaron to perform rituals on behalf of the Israelite community aimed at maintaining that holy presence. It's almost always possible to pull the curtain back and see what's beneath, as Toto did in The Wizard of Oz, and it can lead to profound moments of growth, like how the wizard places Scarecrow in charge of the Emerald City and chooses to return home to Kansas. Still, there are times when you have to ignore the urge to pull the curtain back and instead embrace the mystery. Mystery, like ritual, is there as a tool at the end of the day, it's our own actions that make all the difference. It was the willingness of the Israelite community to participate in the rituals the Torah offers this week, as much as Aaron's theatrical garb or the curtain that covered the mysterious Holy of Holies, that cemented these very rituals and their modern adaptations at the heart of the Jewish experience. It's rare that our world faces a collectively individual choice like being vaccinated for COVID-19. The social institutions which run our lives are all geared up to convince people of the imperative, morally, socially, and religiously, to be vaccinated. Rabbis, priests, comedians, and musicians, everyone is leveraging their platform to help make it happen. But to me, there was no more vivid clue of the social imperative to get vaccinated than doing it in the socially and economically elite club area of Gillette Stadium a place that's normally roped off and inaccessible to most people with its own parking, its own entrance to and from the stadium, and its own experience of the game. This time, we're all in it together, and instead of ruby red slippers to take us back home, we have paper cards declaring our vaccine status. And I say all of this to make this point. There's a lot of science behind the vaccines that are rolling out around the world. Some of that science is almost magical, and the mass vaccination process itself is an almost theatrical experience. 
but it isn't mandatory. It requires our willing participation. And to do that, we have to place our faith in the science of vaccines, no matter how mysterious they seem, and the technology behind creating and testing them safely, and in the stranger and professional, even theatrical garb will stick the whole thing into your arm. It's a leap, to be sure, but it's a leap worth taking. So go get your shot, and thanks for doing your part to embrace the mystery. Shabbat Shalom. If you enjoyed this episode of Modern Torah, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And if you really enjoyed it, go share it with a friend right now. Thanks so much, and Shabbat Shalom.